So welcome, guys, uh, to the GNT Hour. Uh, the fifth episode, yes, am I right, right in saying, saying that? that? The fifth episode, and it's a special one this week, isn't it, Big N? We've been teasing it for the last couple of weeks, but we have finally managed to nail this guy down with a bit of time, and uh, he's decided to come on the podcast. We have got a special guest, Matt Talbot. So, Matt Talbot, we know from camp, you'll listen to it all in the podcast. Um, yeah, just give it a listen. It's probably our favourite episode to date. Um, I mean, we've only done five, but that doesn't really matter. Um, so, yeah, just give it a listen. Tell us what you think. And, uh, yeah, and thanks for staying tuned. So, is it not, boys, the first headband gang reunion since uh, the last day of camp in 2019? I mean, well, there was there was one reunion, wasn't there, George, mate, that you posted on your Facebook we were all going to go to, but then uh, someone didn't turn up, did they? Yeah, I mean, as listeners may know, um, it was during one of my many hiatuses um, that I do like to have. I usually like to have about five a year where I just go off the grid and, yeah, and just do my own thing, I guess. Yeah, disconnect from the real world, eh? Yeah, exactly. But no, um, I think well, we've done, we've recorded one of these before, so we'll just put that out there. But so this is the second virtual headband gang reunion. Hopefully, when the world goes back to normal, we can do a proper headband gang reunion, you know, as well as m- many other things. But um, tells me, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? What's new? Uh, I'm all good. I I am currently self isolating after testing positive for COVID. Oh, fun. Uh, uh so this is. A nice break from just sort of sitting in my <laughs> sitting in a flat in Bath, just sort of chilling. But yeah, it's been good. Other than that, mate, I guess it's a good time for you to uh, I don't know get focused, do whatever you've been wanting to do. <laughs> I mean, it's two weeks of you having to having to tick some things off a to do list, isn't it? So <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah, it's not been great though because I I was started like went back to work after Christmas because uh. we that's essential because we work in a lab so like we're a health human health lab so <laughs> we went back to work and then we've all had to self-isolate for 10 days because i tested positive <laughs> so it's been a bit of a nightmare <laughs> all that front but other than that it's been yeah it didn't come at a great time so but oh so you it. went back and then yeah and then you so you came into contact with everyone so everyone's had to head. yeah oh dear. I, two days like two or th- so two days in the lab uh like in contact with everyone and then uh on the third day about halfway through i got like a the nhs covid19 app was like you've been in contact with someone that's tested positive and what happened was my mom and dad had gone to get a test they tested positive which well, i so we went to get a test um and i yeah i tested positive as well so like i infected basically infected <laughs> oh dear so because you've been little... you'd been back home for christmas hadn't you yeah yeah okay so what is it you're doing at the minute just uh give us a quick summary because i know you're on your um placement year from uni aren't you yeah so uh after the first two years of uni I went on a placement year i'm actually working at the university of bath working on one of their research projects called vitadex and it's basically looking at uh mobilizing vitamin d from fat tissue uh and we're looking at the effect of exercise and how that how how that can help like make vitamin D more bioavailable in the body. 
Highbrow stuff, man. Highbrow stuff. But um, we're not going to talk about that today. We are obviously going to talk about how we met Holy Town, mate, because I'll be honest, there's not much that me and George could offer to that kind of conversation, <laughs> is there, George? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, I'm just sitting here going, yep, completely understand what that all means. <laughs> <laughs> so we obviously met, well, not obviously, but for those that know us will know that we met while away at Camping Camp uh, Lakota out in the US in New York. Um, we, as George said earlier, formed the first iteration and the only iteration of Headband Gang to uh, ever ever visit Camp Lakota. So how how did head gang headband gang oh god i can't even say it headband gang form tells me hit me with it it was a during post camp where we were, went to i can't remember the name but we went to like an outlet village similar to like bista or cheshire oaks and like that and um we were in the under armor store looking for leggings for gill yeah <laughs> and then because we didn't buy anything in the shop we thought it was a bit dodgy just walking around i'm not sure why it's pretty normal to walk in and out of shop that bike <laughs> particular day we thought it was not dodgy so then uh, i think it was george said let's buy headbands and by let by say let's buy headbands gill buy headbands for us uh and that, that's basically how it started but really yeah i think it was an odds on i think george was like odds gill buy headbands and i was just like yeah go on then let's buy them yeah i think we i think gill you bought the initial headbands and then I think, yeah. didn't we all go back and then buy our own individual ones? Because we had four each, if I remember rightly. And there was like three in a pack. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, I definitely bought some when I came back to the UK uh, because of, like, in the first lockdown, my hair got so long, I had to actually wear, wear one unironically. So I could <laughs> buy, <laughs> buy them anyway. Well, yeah, for me and George both having long luscious manes i feel like it was actually quite practical almost for us to have the headbands wasn't it george yeah it was a necessity i think um i mean i still use them um quite religiously to be fair if i'm doing like a workout if i'm going out for a run because you know the the state of the hair is just it, (laughs) it calls for it yeah no i'm the exact same i use mine every day whenever i'm doing any exercise keep the hair out my face keep it all in one messy place you know exactly exactly but Tows, correct me if I'm wrong here, but wasn't there an incident where the headband gang could have been finished before it even begun with a certain Mr. G. Gill uh, potentially handing them out? Yeah, I think Gill was trying to recover from a a bad social situation. <laughs> G. Gill was offering up peace offerings. Anyone that fancied him? G. Gill was extending that olive branch, wasn't he? He was trying to rebuild some bridges that he burned impressively <laughs> in about 15 minutes it was yeah. oh, i was trying to read but it was glorious it's... to watch glorious to watch do you know what i genuinely thought it was earlier than post camp though i thought it was sooner than that i didn't realize it was quite that late in the summer but then thinking back i do don't, i don't remember going day to day wearing a headband around camp so it does make sense but yeah for some reason in my head i had it like we were wearing headbands the whole time while we were out there well some of us were wearing headbands some of us were more lenient on the headbands weren't they George mate some of us didn't wear it as much I don't, I don't want to be throwing people under the bus here but I wore my headband quite a lot and so did you didn't you George mate yeah we did um especially sort of post camp obviously because you know down at post camp you sort of all in the it's where the councils basically get together when all the kids have gone home and they stay in sort of their own we stay in our own sort of like bunks so we used to get sort of up 
Um, and the rule was you literally had to wear the headband, you know, 24-7. So it was get up, wear the headband, go for breakfast. So me and Gil, you know, as the rules stated, as the decree of the headband gang stated, one must wear a headband for breakfast. So we would mm-hmm. come out of the, of the hut, of the cabin, and um, stand there and wait for uh, Mr. Matt Talbot to, um, you know, reveal himself. <laughs> um, without a without the decorative piece of a headband, yeah. Usually, usually Tabs would go, "Oh, I forgot it," and then go back in and get the headband. But Tabs sometimes didn't quite fancy wearing the headband, and because, as luckily was the case, there was only us guys with the headband, and we weren't probably going to take it off him at any point, really. Um, Tabs, uh, Tabs decided against wearing the headband those times. I think there was a couple of times actually we did take the headbands. I think I confiscated the pink one off Tabs, didn't I? <laughs> Yeah, you did. But my hair wasn't long enough to wear it all the time. And it's quite hot where where camp was. It was like, you know, being, being a ginger in the sun, I needed to wear like something out more protective on my head to you stop could, me. But you could so, wear a hat over a headband, though, Tal, to make. That's, that's what no, I'm going to say. That looked very silly. More silly than just wearing the headband. <laughs> but it wasn't just headbands, was it, to be fair? That we um, that we ventured out uh, during post camp was it, boys? Um, I distinctly remember trying to um, at Walmart um, picking up some uh, face masks. Someone wants to oh. jump in on that. Oh mate, oh I forgot about this. That was a dreamy yeah. time, wasn't it? That wasn't just in post camp though. Either. That was. I remember us doing. I remember us doing that during shower hour, mate. Do you know what, Gil? I think you might be right there. Get. Get some uh, early two thousands R and B on. Get the get the tunes blaring. Get relaxed and get lying down. And we yeah, I think we had a few pamper sessions, didn't we, boys? Yeah, that was when you and you and George were sharing had that bunk together. Like when you when like all your kids were getting injured and having to go home. <laughs> you and George ended up in the same bunk, basically. Yeah, we had our own bunk, didn't we, George? Yeah, a bunk with we, you know, we managed to uh, manufacture a double bed for ourselves, which is very uncommon if you uh, if you do ever go to camp. But we found ourselves in the situation where um, I think I had I had uh, two other counselors, and it was only required that you have um, two counselors in a bunk. And Gil, I think one of your counselors had left. Yeah, and. Um, a few of your kids were just four weekers. Overall, you had about four kids um, in the bunk, and then one of them got injured, so had to go home. So I moved in to your bunk, and then yeah, created double beds, and we had a we had a jolly old time in there, didn't we? We very much did. We very much did. It was a uh, it was pretty. It only actually lasted for about a week, though, didn't it? Until the injured camper said camper came back. Yeah, because we had to give his bed back, didn't we? Because I think we might have used it <laughs> for one of the double beds. Yeah, it's a very rare thing for um, anyone if you're going to camp to uh, have a like a bunk slash like cabin to yourself where you don't have any counts uh, any campers in there. So luckily, because I feel like we'd earned it by that point as well, George. I'd say that our counselling or looking after the people of Isaac during the day allowed us to have the free bunk because let's be honest there was some people who weren't pulling as much weight as others shall we say yeah i was gonna say you were saying that sort of like our responsibility about the campers and making like sure the campers last were good but some of the counselors they need babysitting as well <laughs> and i think you know having to babysit a 17 18 year old you know 
man is um, probably one of the most infuriating and frustrating things that I've ever had to be a part of because it's, yeah, it's just no. Yeah, it doesn't make your job any easier, does it? It doesn't. But going on to sort of camp and sort of like camp memories, Talv, do you sort of have, you know, like a, like a standout camp memory or like a favourite camp memory perhaps? Yeah, I think so. I think it needs to be split into like two categories. Like one in like normal camp where it's just, you know, you do like a favourite memory of when you're actually doing your job being a counsellor. And then like other category where you're being um, like, it's just, it's just the counsellors like having a good time and basically having a, a holiday over in the US. Yeah, I definitely have to agree with that was probably one of my favourite, uh, definitely post-camp memories for sure. You know, because it was so it was so relaxed and you felt like the, you know, the world of camp with the kids and everything was just like a million miles away. And it was literally just so tranquil and nice that, yeah, it was just luxury for me. Yeah, it felt like holiday. Like that, at the, when you're sort of like off duty at the end of post-camp or like during post-camp, it's so it, it just feels like a holiday at that point. Whereas like before that you've got like the whole stress of being kind of responsible for lots of children. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got me responsible for people's children. Could, but what was sort of your you know, your favourite camp memory with the campers? Because obviously as Michael Charles would say, you know, um, was it every camper every day? Oh mate, don't go what was it like you don't remember, George. <laughs> no, ah. It was either it was either every camper or uh, every camper every day or camps for the kids. It was one of those two mantras that he would stick by. The first one, every camper every day, wasn't it? Yeah, every camper every day. Uh I think my favourite memory with the kids would be is it during Colour War where like every kid in the camp and every counsellor does that one like afternoon of activities altogether. What is that? What's that called? Oh, the Apache relay. Yeah. I think that that was that was so good. So I feel like everyone got involved, everyone I can't remember like anyone coming away with that going, Oh, that was crap. Like everyone had a good time doing that. Yeah. So do you want to describe the Apache relay for those that don't don't know what it is, helps me. Oh no I no. Let George do it. He 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 probably remembers better than I do. Was, I just remember he was, he was a judge at that point, wasn't he? So yeah, I was a judge because obviously once you've done, once you've been a general for Colour War, uh, there is no higher place you can go. So since I did that in my first year, I was stuck on the <laughs> sidelines being a judge for for the next two years. Which oh, was bang, um... George, you dropped that there. I don't know what it was, mate, but you, oh, you yeah. just dropped that, mate. <laughs> oh, mate, just definitely. I dropped I, that I, into conversation, mate. I thought I heard a bang. I wasn't sure. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't sure. Yeah. So basically, the Apache relay is, um, I think it's like sixty odd events. And um, it's basically each event, um, you know, can be anything. It can be literally uh, hopping around the diamond of the baseball field, um, you know, on one leg while singing uh, the alphabet song, something ridiculous like that. And it basically just goes on um, like that for about 60 events. Um, you know, the one event can't start until the other one's finished. It's basically just a race against, you know, blue and grey and whoever wins, I think, you know, they split it uh, out of 100 points. But it's great fun. Great fun, apart from if you're a judge. Yeah, no, to get involved with, I would say it was, uh, yeah, it's one of those moments you look back on and you think, like, it's a big day because everyone's involved. Like, the whole of camp is there. Everyone's watching. It's kind of like a big group thing. And, like, they print out, like, a list 
of like all the different events and it's like three pages long or what have you and you've got like each person like carrying the baton from like one thing to the next thing and there's like people running all the way around camp and there's people like running to and from certain locations and the way they do it is you basically all watch from different places so you're like all follow the event down to so you'll go down to like the lowest where all the like sports field is and you'll all watch the events happen there and then you'll like gradually move to the waterfront where they'll finish it off with the like rope burning isn't it so like the big like crescendo of it is when basically these self-adjudicated fire legends they use like little bits of kindling and um i think is it one match i think it is and they use like one match and a bit of kindling and they basically have to build a fire to burn the rope directly above the fire and it's like a tense thing because no matter how like much of a lead each person's got it somehow always or it somehow just seemed to come down to the wire because i think what were blues ahead of us i think maybe or maybe we were ahead of them uh i think it was it was pretty tight because grades were ahead because i remember having to run from the lowers all the way up to the swimming pool and then from the pool down to the lake but like one of our i think one of the one of the girls who was like doing one of the events like this or had like a breakdown on the way from the pool down to the lake <laughs> it took a while to get her down and that like, like held up the whole team but <laughs> i think i remember we... hearing that over the over the walkie talkie just hearing the radios going and then being like oh no but we did have, we did win that that was the, the rope burning thing was quite funny as well because obviously there was one person one counselor who was adamant he was gonna light that fire first <laughs> Something... <laughs> It was very funny. He was so confident of winning, he, like lighting the fire, and it just all went, all went pear shaped. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know what they want to put it down to, but whether it was like wet log, or who who knows. But yeah, there was one person who was uh, who like ha- had a, I'd say a better Re- track record. Maybe like they were like a scout and they'd like done it before. Do you know what I mean? Kind of thing. Yeah, track record of doing it, but yeah, when it came to the big event in front of everyone, the Friday night lights, as you say, couldn't that handle the pressure. No, I couldn't hack it on a rainy day. At Stone, what about you, though, it? George? What would you say your your best moment at camp then was was the year that me, you, and Taubes went? What would you say is the like crowning moment you look back on and you think of? Do you know what? That's such a difficult question because I think there's so many there's so many highlights. I think Taubes touched on it a bit before. You know, sort of post-camp, sort of us three going out on the lake, um, having a run around the lake. Um, you know, I thought that was a great memory. Um, to be honest, what I miss most is probably just um, my fondest memory. It's just the camaraderie of everyone. You know, sort of whether it was, you know, just gossiping, you know, geeing each other up, playing pranks and stuff like that. It was, uh, I think that's what, that was my favourite yeah, memory. Especially of, um, uh, of us like three, I think. Before dinner, at, at camp. you know, when everyone comes back to, to boys' camp. And like it's all the little kids have gone off to eat their dinner half an hour early, and it's just so quiet. But like it gives such a good opportunity to like just chill and have some like basically have some good laughs, everyone. Definitely, and I think Taub sort of uh, me oh. and you sort of Gene Gill up about his uh, his social life. It was fun. Time was, was <coughs> yeah, absolute I mean... gold mine. <laughs> George, George, me and George had a saying that we had like a, a signal of moths to a flame, and um. Yeah, George G. Gill was uh, a moth to a flame out in uh, America, wasn't he, George, mate? <laughs> that 
that is probably the most understated <laughs> statement I think I've ever heard anyone say. Yeah, we don't need to go I got involved in a little bit of everything. That's such an understatement. But the weird thing is that with like no, we'll save that. So we'll save that for another. Is that day. like? He actually doesn't like people that much. It's really funny. It's like he tortures himself to go and like hang out with everyone, and then like he'll come back, like like we said before dinner, and he'd be like having a right old go at people. It's like oh, it's really funny that he like dislikes people, and he's still like such a social butterfly. I think it was more it was more the fact that at that point, you know, it was just it was just what you what I did, and like I kind of got into the routine. Like I was very much friendly with everyone, and everyone knows that towards the end, like the slightest thing will start to get on your nerves. Like you're, you almost get, not, not get worn down, but do you know what I mean? Like you're, you're, you've had enough of that at that point of like certain things. So yeah, maybe towards the end, some people like would rub you up the wrong way kind of thing. But yeah, I, I feel like I'm more of a person that, you know, just doesn't like, Oh, that person probably won't know it because you know do you know what like I, there's no there's no point me telling like saying anything because it's not going to help anyone so but you probably <laughs> loved it because i was involved in everything i got i had all the gossip i had all the drama i knew everything that was going on whether i was involved in it or knew it you know what i mean i helped you boys out and i kept you boys everyone in the loop like everyone knew that if anything had gone down at camp gil was the guy to talk to because he knew what had happened it was good for me because like it's probably like we had a good trio really because Gil would know everything going on with like all the counsellors. George would know everything's going on like with senior camp, like the senior camp leaders. And like I'd just be on the outside, I'd love all the I just have all the inv- <laughs> like, I wasn't even ever involved in either camp really. Like that like either like the main drama of all the counsellors or like all the so senior stuff that went on. But it was great a great position for me to be in. Yeah, I mean, you can say that I was sort of involved in the in the senior meetings, but was never allowed at a senior meeting of staff. So you know, that was that always that always baffled me that I was a, technically a senior member of staff being a group leader, but I wasn't. I guess, but then I guess they just had levels because I was too young. They? Because I imagine that those staff meetings only really would have had Phillips in there. Yeah, it was basically just the parents of the kids that wanted to have a right go at the the counsellors for not doing their jobs, basically. And because I was sort of more with the counsellors than I was with the senior staff, they knew that if I if I heard that, then word would get back um, that from me that you know, oh, so and so thinks you're a bit of an an idiot, or so and so thinks you could be doing this more. And you know, my thing was looking out for the counselors, you know, because they are the senior staff or the senior staff, they can look after themselves because their kids go there, so it's whatever. But you know, my thing was, you know, if the counselors aren't, you know, having a good time and stuff, you know, then or they're not doing their job and sort of they're on the verge of, you know, one of the group leaders saying, Oh, I don't know, I don't know if they're right for this camp, then I think it was my duty to say, well, look, so and so is not thinking thinking you're not doing a good job obviously if you're not doing a good job you've got the you know you may be facing you know being kicked out of camp you know and if you can't find a camp going home so my thing was just to relay everything that I could um you know about what group these were saying about counselors because I thought it was you know it was you know don't my thing was don't go to the don't go to the senior group meetings and sort of you know back you know stab someone in the back saying, oh, they're not very good counts and not very good counts and then speak to them in their face and think they're the best things since sliced bread. You know, be honest with them and up front. And I thought it was my duty to sort of but say, that, that you know, so-and-so doesn't think you're doing a good job. That's to me is why I think you're perfect job. for the job you, know, you had because of, you had the respect you know, keep a low profile. of Michael and 
most of the senior staff and also you had the respect of all of the councillors so like if anything was going on you'd protect the councillors and you'd like give the not so much heads up but you'd just be like you know watch watch doing this watch doing that you know like do this better don't do this do this kind of thing which is like what people sometimes people need to hear because it's a very underrated thing that a lot of times councillors go out there they're 18 years old or 19 years old they're like they're pretty young i mean they haven't maybe been out the country before they like they might be in their first time going to the u.s and they might not have had like a job well they definitely probably wouldn't have had a job this full on because i mean not many people would work sort of 15 16 i mean most of the time you're working almost sort of 24 hours a day whenever you're not sleeping you're working basically you're always on so for a lot of these people they need that person there because they don't have many people the like look out for them i think that's why your position was so good and then they're like I'd say that's the difference though between you and someone like Felix because I'd say that without any question of a doubt George mate I know that you could do that job but I feel like you wouldn't be the best person to do that job from a camp point of view do you know what I mean like I feel like Felix has the right balance of listening to either side whereas you have a lot more sway towards looking after the councils because you know that that isn't some aspect that is taken care of as much do you know what I mean you know I can't speak for anyone else but I was definitely more sort of you know it was for me it was yeah the campus but also the councillors you know like you said yeah I turned no, Tal, 19 I was eighteen last year when you when sort of came out you've, but you've luckily I'd had I'd, I'd been to the US three or four times before that I'd I also had older friends who had been, been to camp so I sort of had an idea of like kind of what what's going to happen whereas like I feel like I definitely think they probably need to improve on at camp is sort of not expecting the counsellors, especially when they're like, like how young I was, like 18, 17, 18, 19, just to go over and just be like, perfect counsellors. Like, it's just not going to happen. Like, half of them have never even looked after themselves, let alone <laughs> like kids, you know what I mean? Like, half of them have never lived away from home themselves. Yeah, it always, it always makes like makes me laugh doesn't it when these people were like oh yeah i've actually never been out of the country or like i've only ever been to like this one specific place and then they're embarking like don't get me wrong it's like like a great thing to like challenge yourself to do if you haven't but i think you've got to go over there with some kind of expectations you know what i mean of what's going to happen and what it's going to be like out there yeah or people that haven't lived like away from home before yeah i was like i'd done my first year of uni so Mm. i obviously lived away and looked after myself which is like it's definitely a massive thing, and it would be even harder doing it for the first time in the US. Like, go being so far away from home, plus the fact you've got almost pressure on you to be a good counselor. Exactly, some sound advice there from uh, cool. from Matt Talbot. So, I think what we're going to do is, Tal, is we're going to have a quick break, and then we're going to come back for part two. <laughs> Welcome back, guys. Uh, back for part two. Beautiful part one. First special guest in the books. Part one is done. Um, as we said earlier, there wouldn't have been a better special guest to get on than you, Matt Talbot. So I want to pick your brain for a minute because we are, I'm going to guess, we're going to have more people that come on from camp. So I want to ask a few different people their opinions because potentially down the line, you never know, but we might get Michael Childs on the podcast. And for those who don't know, Michael is the camp director of the camp we went to. So let me just 
hypothetically, Tabs, put you in Michael Child's shoes. You are the camp director um, of Camp Lakota. What would you do differently? What is something that you would implement differently? Um, I feel like it's kind of similar to what, to what I said at the end of part one. I feel like the support for especially like the international councillors needs to be like better. I feel like there's quite a hard approach from the top. They're the boss, they're in charge sort of thing. But first time might be their first time going away without their parents and they're in a new country. They might, you know, all that sort of stuff. And like, I feel like there needs to be more support for the councillors rather than expecting them to be perfect from day one. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, I think to be fair, that's a, you know, that's a really good point because obviously it is going to be new to everyone, whether it's the surroundings actually going to a camp. Sort of, do you think, you know, in the orientation week that you should take a couple? Do you think they should be more subtle uh, with like new councils? I'm not sure. I feel in? like they need to be less like hard, less harsh. Michael's quite like a harsh person, uh, especially if like British. I feel like over here we're more, not softer, but like the way Michael talks is very like, harsh and american if that makes sense and i think that can scare people at times and i feel like there'd be better coherence amongst like the whole set of staff if like everyone at the top was a bit more not nice but just more friendly more of like a friendly face like is it do you feel like it needs to be more of like a let's work together blah 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 we're all in it for you rather than you work for me and we work to make sure the campus have a good time so don't step out of line kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I feel uh, like I... it stops the whole, like, councillors versus senior staff, which sort of always ends up happening. Uh, I get... I do... I mean, to be fair, I do get your point, but on the contrary, I guess Michael has been doing it for quite a while, hasn't he? And I mean, it, it didn't hurt that much to the point where I think we do have, like... We have had relatively successful summer, obviously, out there. I mean, the I think the whole first like week where they just talk to you is always going to go one way or another. And I think if they'd have been softer, I think potentially might not have. The only the like the way I would play devil's advocate is I'd say that if they were softer and they're a bit more friendly, friendly about it, maybe people might not listen as much because they might just think. I've been sitting here listening to someone talk to me for the last five hours and like I've had this every day for like the last three or four days or whatever do you know what I mean like if it's like oh we want to be your friends but here's all this information and they're talking to you whereas because he's saying if you don't do this like bad things can happen you'll get sent home if you do this or the kids are in danger if you do this kind of thing that's the only devil's advocate I'd play to it is that maybe some aspects of it I think he has to talk like that but I definitely think that maybe the more disciplinarian side of him or more so like I'd say the key thing for us was when to when Andy Toomey talked to us and took us to the basketball courts like the whole of boys side it was like a breath of fresh air when he was like making jokes and like being friendly yeah. with us and like the way he was speaking to Shalecki and he was like oh screaming like do you know what? that kind of aspect of it I think made them not seem way more approachable than the proper senior members of staff like Michael or the others. Yeah, definitely. That like when I like when we got off the buses was the first time I met Michael. So I was recruited by the ex assistant director of camp. Uh so I'd never met Michael before. And then like the first time being in like a meeting with him, he was like so stern and like not not friendly, but 
he definitely was like, it's like he's trying to put his foot down immediately, which definitely, I think, for me, it's been okay because I'm like, obviously playing football my whole life, I kind of get used to certain people being like that. But like, I, we we all know of counsellors who were like our friends who were like terrified of of Michael. And I, mm-hmm. I don't think that's necessarily a good thing for like the whole camp, really. I think Michael gives off the very like almost like a strict very strict head teacher vibe do you know what i mean like yeah definitely do you not think also that that comes down to again sort of going on what you were saying gil that you know obviously michael went to camp before and obviously he's more of sort of like the old school generation sort of where camp was run more like a a military camp kind of thing rather than you know um a summer camp where you could sort of you know you know let your hair loose and go nuts and go crazy so do you think sort of that sort of plays a part into sort of his demeanour as well and sort of how, you know, like you said, he has to set the tone early so, you know, people know what to expect and, you know, whether that's he raises the bar too high or, you know, maybe some people think he raises it a bit too low. But do you think sort of his upbringing and his experiences at camp may lead him to sort of have that, you know, persona? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I do... I I appreciate his position. Like he's got so much pressure on him. These parents are sending their kids like sometimes across the country for seven weeks, and they're ultimately under his care. So he has to make sure that like the people he employs to look after them are doing the best job they can. But I, I, you do have to take the. I think he has to be probably a little bit more understanding to the fact like how big a like a culture shock it can be going over to camp. Do you think the orientation week should be longer then? Um, no, definitely. I don't think it should be longer. I think they just need to change oh, it. Oh, God, no. Less of don't do this, don't do that. More Well, obviously, you do need to have those parts in it. But you also mm-hmm. need, I think that should be like maybe a couple of days where they almost like simulate camp and what it would be like and have sort of, the especially the new councillors being the acting as the kids per se. And see, like, so they can understand, like, how, how, like, how counselors act around the kids, like, what, where the levels to go at. Because it was very much as like what we would, what we were told is, you'll figure out how, just figure out how to talk to the kids. I feel like, it, especially if for counselors of doing different age groups, like for us, talking to the kids was very different to say, like Jordan and Pele, who had the Braves, like talking to the Braves, yeah. very much different than talking to the the chiefs or the warriors and i feel like they just need to have that more understanding to sort of give counselors more guidance in like a softer way rather than the dis- disciplinarian way i think yeah because i think one way that camp does rely on returning staff a lot is that you do return on you re- rely on the returners to ha- give a lay of the land to the new staff so George was very good in that he had been there before, so he could be like, oh, they say this, but actually this is what how it's going to be kind of thing. And not like, oh, just straight disregarding what's been said, but like more just this is how the days are going to go, this is how it is. Because like you say, you are kind of thrown into it in that the, your, your first like experience of camp is like you're very much learning on the job kind of thing. Like the kids turn up and then that's it you're on like from then on out. And you've only been there for a week. And like some of these people, they might not even have siblings. So they might not have even like looked after their like younger siblings yeah. kind of thing. Or they might not even have younger siblings to look after. So like you say, you just got to rely on that the returners are going to 
gonna give them good advice kind of thing for their age group that's why i think they'd have to distribute it so that you have a good mix of returners in each age group um okay then so moving on from that i want to twist it more towards the uk versus us aspect so what is one thing that you'd say from like uk culture or just one like british I don't know, pastime or ideology or whatever. Like it can be anything that you'd think would be good to introduce to camp. And let's move away from the behavioural side of like the counsellors. Let's move in towards like, I don't know, let's go with activity maybe. Let's go, what kind of activities do you think they should implement? Or It'd be, It would be weird to introduce like a, a British activity into the American camp. I think that's one of the things about camp is that it is so american that it makes it quite fun for the british counselors because it's like just experiencing a different culture it's it's hard to say really what what you could do because we don't we don't really have anything similar to what camp is like and like in the uk we don't have these summer camps like that so it's hard to say something that we or something you could introduce directly in yeah it's funny isn't it because for the British councillors, like obviously the biggest sport for us out here in the UK is football. And that's like one thing that we're all buzzing to play out there. But when you get out there, you realise that, I mean, these not many of these kids are that infused by playing football or soccer, as they call it. And they'd much rather go play volleyball or basketball. So like as much as we are buzzing to play like football and like, I don't know, have it like kick about with like, and like show them that we're like decent at this level of sport because realistically, a lot of us aren't great or very gifted at the more American style sport. So you're somewhat being shown up by some like young teenagers in like basketball or whatever. You want to like show, oh, yeah, but when we play football, we're better than you kind of thing. But yeah, I think it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because as much as it is like a good culture shock for us, I'd say it's also a good culture shock for them in that they're meeting these like British people who have like a different way of doing things and have different like cultures and different ideologies and and, like completely different ways of life and different upbringings so i think it's a good match is there anything you think george that the you could introduce from the from like a more british aspect um i don't think it's more of a british aspect but you guys terribly missed out on your year on (laughs) the pink lemonade that we used to have at camp because the two years previously, we used to have uh, pink lemonade, which was the god of all drinks out there um, like in a camp situation. And they got rid of that. So my thing that I would say, and we did try very hard um, to get it back, was bring back the pink lemonade. And I think a lot of people that uh, were returners uh, your year would definitely agree with me on this one. Just bring back the pink lemonade. So it saves so many dramas. British food is definitely um, better than Michael's change. Bring back the pink lemonade. Exactly where I was going to go, Talbs. Exactly where I was going to go. Get some like sausage rolls in there one day for lunch. Maybe some fish and chips for dinner. So, you know, something that is not just like covered in grease and cheese. Like they are obsessed with cheese. It is mental. Yeah, but it's not even real cheese either. It's American yeah. cheese. It's like processed. It's always melted. That's It's like melted cheese that's dried. So like, just imagine that it's just horrible. That's one of the funny aspects, isn't it, of camp is that you don't really think about it now, but the diets we had out there were not the most nutritious. <laughs> I think the way you could describe it is just having school dinners, isn't it, really? That's kind of the... American school dinners, not British school dinners, American school dinners. Yeah, you just off whatever they'd serve in the kitchen that's like been deep fried five times and then a version of Moam sweets. <laughs> like that's all you'd eat. 
Mate, do you know what? Do you know? What? Oh, that's one. That's one good thing. I think I'd like to bring in, or would potentially bring in, is the reduce the use of single use plastic. Oh my god, Americans love their single use plastic. Like plastic cutlery. I know that's like a probably a health and safety thing on camp, but gee, like that's got to save the money if they didn't bring in like those polystyrene plates and the plastic cutlery and they're like crap. Oh, the tea bags were minging, weren't they? American tea is not no, the one. I, uh, I don't know what we. I don't. I, we should have expected it, really. Yeah. So, sort of the water fountains were new that year because it used to be like your traditional, um, like like that you see in schools um, with like the 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 silver ones with like the little turn. Um, I'm sure they used to be those ones, and obviously they used to have like a row of plastic cups. So, and the amount of times that those plastic cups were just left. So, obviously, the kids, you know, as much as the counselors tried their best to get the kids to pick them up and sort of, you know, take care of their litter. You know, the kids weren't doing that. So we used to have, you know, especially down on the lowers, we used to have thousands upon thousands of um, plastic cups just, you know, flowing through the air. That is mental. It was ridiculous. So, so yeah, I just definitely think, put it into context, uh, Gil, you're on the right line there about the single-use like, plastics. Basically, you're not told by Camp America, but you're told by the agency you go through, oh, take like a water bottle or whatever with you. You'll like need it because it's going to be baking hot and what have you. Because obviously every day was basically like 35 degrees. So you need to make sure you drink enough water. And they had water fountains that you'd put your water bottle in and then it'd like dispense the water into the bottle. But oh my God, I cannot even imagine the amount of plastic they'd be going through with these campers. Like I get that it is a big thing to get them hydrated, but like, wow, wow. Like that must've been horrific. Constantly going to the medical center to get Gatorade. That was <laughs> mental. Cause those kids would just be buzzing for days like literally days honestly some of the kids diets out there were hilarious though yeah <laughs> like only eating peanut butter oh, like. yeah. and they, yeah they'd just take those like little sachets of peanut butter and just eat like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> literally oh man there you go so so we reckon our thing to uh, michael is going to be reduce single-use plastic and also just introduce a whole bunch of british food mate cheers or even do you know what they could have because this funny thing was that a lot of the kitchen staff were um mexican or like a high portion of the kitchen staff were mexican and surely like if they'd have had some like i would have loved to have tasted like some like original or like do you know what i mean like traditional mexican like cuisine i think that'd have been maybe maybe not so much the kids i guess maybe that wouldn't have been a great they idea wouldn't have the enjoyed it the kids are doing like what's this vegetables like they just wouldn't understand that's silent enough yeah, that's got to be one of the, the saddest things, the salad bar, hasn't it? Well, it's weird, though, because some kids would just, like, eat, just, like, grab a load of lettuce and eat, just eat lettuce. <laughs> it was just like... <laughs> Honestly, you could make a documentary series about the diets of some of the kids at camp, because Jesus Christ, there's just, like, obviously, as you know, kids are fussy anyway, and when you haven't got, the, when they haven't got their parents there, you've got to kind of be the eyes and ears to make sure they're eating, like, properly. And luckily for, like, the older age groups, for me and George and Tows, we as much as maybe they didn't eat certain things, the kids knew what they like needed to eat kind of thing. They knew what they liked and they ha- were set in their ways because they'd been going for years. So you don't really have to pay too much attention to it realistically. But wow, yeah, that's got to be... That's another aspect for me that I think would have made a completely different experience having to look after the younger kids. Were you thankful that you got the age group you got? Yeah, jobs, mate? definitely. So it was kind of like having my younger brother there, if you know what I mean. And it it just makes it so much yeah. easier. And I've got a lot of younger cousins who are like the, at the same age as the kids who were I was looking after. So it was just really simple for me. I think I'd have found it way more 
difficult with the younger kids because they're they're just it's just so different looking after the kids that young. Yeah, it's less of a kind of sport camp at that point, isn't it? Because the, as much as you want to get them involved and you want to get them doing stuff, I think it's more of like a day, or not well, kind of like a daycare. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like with the younger kids. Yeah, I think I think you've got to be almost like it's got to be in your personality to have wanted to like do that age group because it takes a certain type of person. I yeah, think. definitely. And there were times, like especially uh, up at the pools or down by the lake where you'd hang out with the little kids and, you know, play their games and stuff. But like def- one hour was definitely enough. <laughs> like one hour a day with them is definitely enough. Oh yeah, don't get me wrong. Some of them are really cute and stuff. And like around like the hours you're around BC, um yeah hanging out with them there and like playing a few games with them there yeah that that would be like yeah. my limit of like hanging out with the younger kids yeah i tried one of their card yeah. games once when they none of them wanted to play basketball um and honestly i've never been so embarrassed in my life i was getting beat at cards by these six and seven year olds <laughs> <laughs> getting shot mate. It was... so Tals, just to sort of finish no. up um i think obviously because we're going to get a few more guests coming on that have come to camp um so the question i'd like to ask you is if you didn't get the Warriors, what other age group would you have preferred and why? Um, I think that's pretty easy for me. I think I'd go with the Chiefs. I, I, I don't think I could do younger than the Warriors. I think like it's too much like babysitting at that point. And the Chiefs, you know, it's just like having, like I say, like having my younger brother around. And that wouldn't be that bad. Uh, yeah, also, and, you'd, and you'd get to be with us, wouldn't you, mate? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, <laughs> also, like, obviously, you're not supposed, probably not supposed to say this, but like <laughs> the trip for the Chiefs would be so much better than like, any other age group. Like, I, had a pretty, I had a pretty decent trip with the Warriors because I got to go to Hershey Park. But like the Chiefs trip would definitely be better than... Like any anyone younger. Yeah, I don't think I could go to the. What is it? They go to like a golf, they go, um, like a crazy golf. Thing. Yeah, I think so. I don't know because I was at I was at Hershey Park, which has class. But yeah, I definitely couldn't do the adventure golf with ten year olds. Well, we went to Boston, didn't we, George? Mate, that was yeah, our trip. When we went. Yeah, that was a cracking trip. I love that trip because obviously I went to uni in Boston, so I sort of knew oh, you know mate. pretty much where I was going. I took to Ned Devine's, which was which which was an old haunt of mine when I was at college over there. Um, but yeah, what a sick trip! Uh, yeah, I've had because obviously I've been with the Chiefs like three years. I had some like really lucky trips. So Toronto, if I'd have gone back, that'd have been unreal. Yeah, you'd be driving though. No, yeah, I, I think driving. they like take Toronto. us in coaches, mate. I'm not driving a coach. You know what I mean? Though that is a such a long trip. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, what's the alternative? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, no one else is around. The only the only ropes part of those trips is that I had my overnight that night, so I got dropped off at some next oh. random gas station and had to get like an Uber from there. To, oh, that was weird. That was weird. That's such a good night though. That night, that uh, overnight. Yeah, that was a uh, fun times. That was oh. So, what about your favorite day off then, Talbs, mate? Let's let's finish it off on that. What would you say your favorite day off was? So, for everyone who doesn't know, you get like one day off a week over like six is it six or seven days off or five days off something like that my favorite day off was probably the, when we went to new york for the day yeah i feel like that was a really good day like it was a long day but it was definitely worth it um because we did like we just i don't know just chill in new york is a vibe isn't it yeah i mean <laughs> like, it was bloody hot there wasn't it yeah it was it was like what 37 degrees yeah and i always went all black in it in the new york 
City, it felt like about 45, didn't it? So the air conditioning was a touch every time you went into a shot. Yeah. And it, I feel like that was like maybe the last day off before there was like, not drama, but like yeah, on the other days off, it, everything has started to happen, like all like the little drama bits. And I feel like that was the last day off we had where like it was just completely chilled. Boats was fun, I'd say. That was another fun day off. Yeah. Um, what else? Lake Minamasco was cool as well. That was. Yeah, that was good. That was on my birthday, actually. See, that's not bad, is it? No. Because we had bad. we had a sick day off group. I was reminded of this the other day. So I spoke to... I was speaking to Toby the other day. I tried to, like, FaceTime call with him. And he was just... And I was, and we were talking about, like, the dramas. And he was like, oh, yeah, no, I had a crap day off group. And I was like, oh, I didn't even remember that. But, yeah, his, his day off group, like, he wasn't with, like... Cause, for those who don't know, basically, you pick, like, two people, like, and you write down a piece of paper, and that's the way they, like, work out what days off is that you get. So there's Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and they split everyone up into, like, th- like third, basically. And luckily, we managed to get a decent day off group. But, yeah, if you didn't get a good day off group, I feel like it's ropes for you as well, because then you're one day off, you're, like, not hanging with all your mates you've been hanging out with throughout the week and stuff. Yeah, definitely. I feel, yeah, that was an issue. We didn't have George on our so did we? No. Which, which would have made better. Your day off because obviously I had you Gil on that day off. I think Reese was on that day off as well, and I think a couple of the American councillors was off. So if I'd have gone off, it would have left me with like two councillors. So I couldn't actually have that day off. And also as well, I think doing the day off schedule so early is it's a bit risky for sort of like the councillors because you're judging who you want to go on a day off with in like the first like orientation week, and then maybe a couple of days into camp. But like a few weeks after that, they can be completely different people. Yeah, literally. I remember with. there was a few romances from uh, orientation week that didn't make that didn't last the longest. And there was a few girls wearing boys jumpers that got swiftly recalled. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's hard. Sort of maybe they should do like a review process, like halfway through. Oh, and then, can I you imagine know, the logistics oh God, of that? Whether can you imagine can the moaning from the all the councils? I can't imagine that Mike would be down for that. Jesus. No. <sighs> Right. Mate, Taubes, this has been a beautiful episode. Maybe even my favourite episode so far. I think that having guests on is going to be probably a, a main thing for us over the next, like, I don't know, however many weeks. I reckon we're probably going to do it alternating guests each week or something. So we'll try and get some more guests on. But we will definitely be getting you back on, Taubes, mate, to talk. Maybe about camp, but probably about real life. You know, unis maybe. I feel like that would be a fun one to get you on for and anything in between. Yeah, this has been really good. I'll definitely come back on. But actually, talk about real, like you say. Been a pleasure as always, Taubes. Appreciate you coming on and for being our first guest. We couldn't have had anyone else, could we, George, mate? Absolutely. Beautiful. Not. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Show. And we will be back next week.